following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. What are some things that are complicated but make our life easier but could be accomplished simpler but a little bit harder? Donna. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Name tags, a simple way. Or we could get real complicated and, you know, make some system, but just a name tag. A simple, hello, my name is. Susie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I promise you I did not pay Susie to do that because I didn't have enough time to test my PowerPoint today, and it's not working. <laughs> so because I had so much scripture I was going to go through, I didn't want to bother Bo by saying, next slide, Bo, next slide, Bo, next slide, Bo. And so now I'll just read the scripture to you. Just know there's a very nice, simple, straightforward PowerPoint that's now just... I could have done handouts, right? It could have... There's the Holy Spirit as it work through the jokes today. Um, you know, and it's like... Uh, talked about self-driving cars last week because it's, it's so hard to drive a car, apparently. But after I joked about the San Francisco orange cones, that that'll stop a self-driving car... Found out in Austin this week, they're also testing them, and they're just stopping. It's not even like we're putting a cone on it. They're just blocking traffic because something in their programming is telling them must shut down here. And so not once, but like four times did I see people posting on social media going, here we are at South Congress, and traffic is completely stopped again because four of these self-driving cars have just stopped in the middle of the road. And so there's this process of we as humanity continue to work more and more complicated things to make our lives easier. Now, some of that is great. Think about simple machines, pulleys, wheels, levers. Those kinds of things have made our lives great. It's not that everything that's complicated should be bad. But we take that idea sometimes and we say, okay, let's apply that now to our faith. And we make things super complex, but easier for us. Instead of looking at the simple ways that Jesus talked, the simple things he called us to and saying, this is going to be harder. And just everyone close your eyes and imagine this great slide that just says, simple relational, gospel-centered. Over the next three weeks, we're going to dive into this. So what happened was, at the beginning of this year, we got our leadership team together, and we had a, um, a retreat, just a short Saturday, one-day retreat, where we sat down and said, where's narrative going? Especially as we look at the opportunity coming up with the District Mission Center, 
and um, our worship there, how, how do we plan ahead? How do we do this well? And as things were being led through, the question was, what are some words you would use to describe narrative? And being the pastor, I, of course, want to jump in and tell everyone what they should use, what words they should use to describe narrative. Because I go, this is what I do. This is my life. I really want people to love this. How do I make sure they say that? And I just bit my tongue almost through to just let our leaders respond. And I was blown away that it was these three ideas. Simple, relational, gospel-centered. And I love that because all the words I had were not that good. And so we've actually started changing that wording on our website that like when you land on the webpage for narrative, the first three words you'll see bolded there on the front are simple relational gospel centered. And we want to talk about that over the next three weeks. We're going to take each word and say, why is this important to us as a church? And you'll see this in narrative in certain ways. Like some ways are like very simple in terms of we call things what they are. We don't have like fancy names for things. We're not spending time searching out a Bible verse to find a cool, like all this stuff, which I'm not against churches doing that when they want to build a ministry and find a name for it and all that stuff. But like when narrative hangs out and eats together, we call it narrative eats. (laughs) Who we are, what we're doing. Next gen, it's the next generation. When their parents are hanging out, next gen parents, right? We went through with um, our community group that uh, Rusty and Jackie Fusilier lead, like 14 different names, because all of them were very simple, and we kept trying to find like the most simple one that described who they were. But that's just like the, the top of it, because what happens is, I think, in our culture, we get caught and buy into this ideal that comes from surprisingly, the Industrial Revolution. Which as the Industrial Revolution happens and everything became interchangeable parts. Now listen, when I'm fixing my car, love it, right? Give me a part that you make somewhere else that I don't have to fashion that just fits here and then I'm done. When I gotta do something with my air conditioning, when I gotta put an air filter in, I don't wanna have to spend time cutting down an air filter to the right size to fit, my, um, to fit in my house. I am glad that somewhere there is a regulation that says air filters should be this size, this size, this size, or this size, so that I can go to Home Depot and go, there it is, that's my size, take it home. Don't get me wrong. Incredible thing. But when we start taking that and applying it to our faith, what starts happening is we are making complicated assembly lines of faith trying to create the same person over and over and over again. Now you might say, but Ted, aren't we all supposed to be like Jesus? Yes, but God creates each one of us uniquely. So in that creation, we want as a church to work and say we do things that bless as many people as possible that give them roads to discover how they dig deeper following Jesus. That we want to keep things simple enough that it's not like I'm trying to force you into an assembly line 
Um, the, in, in the church world, the phrase often uses leadership pipeline. What's your leadership pipeline? So, you know, we, you show up at Sunday and we get you to sign this form and we give you a little gift and immediately you go into our system and in our system, we're going, okay, in two weeks, we give them this call and then this call and then this call. And then we find out their spiritual gifts and go, ah, you're spiritually gifted at this. And then we plug you in and you do that. And that's what you do. And that's our leadership pipeline. Now, don't get me wrong. We all want to volunteer. We all want to be a part of the church. We all want to grow together. But if our sole focus is saying, we're going to take you and mold you into who we need you to be as an organization, that's complicated. Because I've sat in these seminars where they talk about, here's the six easy steps. I'm like, none of these are easy. This is all very complicated. They're like, you buy this program, and then in this program, you plug in this person's name, and then you have to make this phone call. I'm like, yeah, you lost me at phone call. <laughs> like, I'm out. But the joy that we have is to say those, those aren't necessarily bad things. But we want to step back and realize is to say the gift we have, and that's been given to us, is that it's actually very simple because if we look at those things and start saying, to be a Christian, I must fall into a leadership pipeline. I must grow as a disciple in this exact way. I, or you look at other people and go, someday I'll be like them. But also on the flip side, we like to make things complicated so we don't have to do anything. Right? Like we go, oh, well, let's make this real complicated because then if it's so complicated that we never have to do the hard part. When things are simple, we skip all the complication and get to doing the hard things of following Jesus. So again, in your mind's eye, incredible, just the best PowerPoint you've ever seen. We're going to talk about a simple life. All right, let's see if, all right, brainwaves, man. Let's see if you can, you can do what I'm doing now. Matt did a great job there of throwing up what I've been saying, and now I'm moving on to the next slide. <laughs> but think about this. So to, this week, we're going to talk about simple. Simple life, simple discipleship, simple church. So simple life. I want you to think about what does a simple life look like? And don't think about like, oh, here's the simple life. It's the, don't think the idyllic life. But think about if you looked at your life, and it were simple, what would that mean for you? And I asked that question because of this. In Jeremiah 29, uh, 7, and then skipping ahead to verse 11, the prophet Jeremiah writes to the church, to, to the people of Israel, as they're in exile. They're in Babylon. They've been taken out. And he says this, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. And I love right before this, he wrote, plant gardens, get married, have kids. What he's saying is like, live in that place. Now, this is a people that the whole idea is that they need to be close to the temple because God dwells in the temple. So if they are living in exile, they are far from the temple, far from where they can worship, far from where God has commanded. But now he's saying, no, 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 no. Be present where you are be present in that place. And then verse 11 is the verse you have on your coffee mug. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare 
and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. Now, a lot of times we, we love these little verses that we can pull out. And listen, on its own, that verse is incredible. But I love when you put it in this overarching theme of Jeremiah 29, where he's saying, listen, live. Yeah, you're going to long to go home. You're going to long for the temple. You're going to long for Israel. You're going to long for what you knew. But don't let your longing get in the way of living your life. Don't let it get in the way of planting gardens, of getting married, of having kids. Which is such an incredible message for us to say, the simple life is Jesus is going to live. Where you are, where I've put you, live. Plant, grow, invest in family and friends. Because my plans for you are to prosper you. And those plans happen no matter where you are. And then Paul will write to Timothy, who's a young pastor he's training in the New Testament. And he'll say this in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For I, I saw this post of a great guy um, I know on Facebook, and he had posted what amounted to a sales pitch on, join me as I join this group that teaches you how to do discipleship. You know, we just haven't done discipleship in the right ways. And so now we've finally discovered that this is how we do discipleship and you can join me. And I thought, no, thank you. And it comes from a place where people are passionate and I don't want to be a guy that's going to tear down. This organization probably does some incredible things. But listen, you don't have to join a group to be a disciple. Now, we could get into some things here and I could talk about the difference between parachurch organizations and your local church. I think part of discipleship is being a part of a local church. Differentiation there. We'll talk about that when we get to simple church. But in simple discipleship, we think about so often following Jesus seems like it's right out of reach. Maybe when I'm just a little bit better, maybe when I do things a little bit more, maybe, 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 and it's like grasping for something that's just far enough away. And we look at other people and think, someday, maybe I'll be a Christian like them. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as you go, as you live your life, baptize, teach, I am with you. That's it. A lot of times we can buy into this idea that following Jesus has to be really complicated and complex. Because wrestling with scriptures can get kind of complicated and complex sometimes. Understanding what's happening in, in verses and in the original languages and those kinds of things, that can be a bit of a struggle. Go, baptize, 
teach. I'm with you. That's it. There's not some place out there that suddenly you're going to reach and go, now God really likes me, right? I've been following him. I've been doing what he says, and boom, now that love, he really loves me. No, he's going, listen, this is it. He says this in Luke 9, and he said this to all. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and, for, and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes into the glory, into his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. This is a verse that a lot of times seems, but Lord, I just don't want to do that. And we could talk about, well, what is your cross? We could get into all those complexities, but let me try and be simple here. Simply as a disciple, it's saying, can I wake up each morning and when my feet hit the floor, say, Lord, I want to follow you today. A lot of times we will look and we'll say, how do I shed those other things in my life? How do I let go of all the other things so all I have is Jesus? Well, Jesus looks and knows like those other things are a part of your life. And so instead of saying, yeah, you need to do this really complex thing where you pray these right prayers and you do these right things, he goes, no, no, no. When you give up your cross, I am with you. That as you walk into your life, he joins you there. In fact, he was there before you walked into it. That for us, simply following as disciples, taking up our cross is not about saying, oh, I carry the same cross as Jesus. It's about saying, every morning when I wake up, will I crucify my old self and realize that sinful person has been redeemed. That my sins were taken on the cross. To pick up my cross and follow means that I live as a person who is dead to their sins and alive in Christ. Picking up your cross is not about saying, I have to carry this heavy burden, because that wouldn't make sense, because Jesus tells us his burden is easy and his yoke is light. So how could he say that and then say, oh yeah, now pick up your cross? No, he's saying, pick that up, because look at what I did for you. Now it's going to be hard, because when you pick up the cross, you realize those things that sometimes looked like burdens become joys. That following Jesus and being more and more like him, some of the things in your life that used to make you angry now become a joy of life. It's simple but hard. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they, the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done among and through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. It's not complicated. A lot of times we look back at the early church and we go, someday we'll get back to where they were. Now listen, there's a proximity to Jesus thing happening here that's incredible. When you have the apostles who go, we saw him, we touched him, and they're sharing the news, that's a big deal. I don't want to take away from that. But if you don't think we have access to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer, and you, like, listen, we want to do that together as a church, but you can do that in your house. You can do that wherever you go by investing together in the body of Christ. This simple discipleship is about eating. It's about praying together. It's about listening to the teaching of Jesus, the fellowship of believers. As we look at a simple life and simple discipleship, that rolls us into an idea of simple church. That a narrative for us, simple is a big deal. And you'll see that, that when you roll in, it's real easy, especially right now. And we've always joked, you could always microwave your coffee at the front during the sermon, right? Like in some ways, there, there are definitely detriments to meeting in a middle school cafeteria. Like I'm not someone who's going, listen, I, I love this aesthetic. I love the fact that every morning, you know, Sunday morning when we get here, that if we have guests showing up, the first thing they see when they make this turn around the corner is the lost and found. That shows us really how to be a church that we can meet everywhere. Really what I see is like, how did this kid lose that? Like this was attached to their body. Like how, how did that get, listen, uh, water bottles? I don't get it. Like I get losing a water bottle Half the student population of water bottles is here by the end of the year, and no one came to look for them. Like, that's, that's what blows my mind is like, I'm looking, that, that's a hydro flask. That's a $50 water bottle. I, like, I don't know if the teachers raffle them off at the end of the year or what, but like, I'm, I'm looking and going, man, I would be in trouble with me if I lost that water bottle. But that's like, I'm not pumped about that aesthetic. We ordered a banner that was extra wide specifically so I could put it in front of the lost and found. I'm not kidding. That's the, the old coffee banner we used to have out there that's now broken and not out there. That, the whole reason that was there, I guess, was to point people like, because it was awkward for a while. We didn't have something blocking these doors. If you were with narrative in the before times, which was, you know, 2019, um, people would walk in this door and we're like in the middle of worship and it would always be someone new. And so they like walk in and you're at the front of church and it's this like, who's late? It's me, you know? And it was this awkward thing. So we definitely got that banner to like point people in the right direction. But I got the wide one because I was like, I don't want people's like the first like oh, this church just has 50 water bottles. Like, so we put that there. Because listen, we could have church in a sewer if we needed to. Like we'd do it. If that's what we needed to do, it would probably just be me and Matt. And I would, Matt would be there because I told him he had to be, right? Like, but we could do it. 
We did do it. It wasn't a sewer. It was much nicer than a sewer, but we met outside for 18 months because that was the option we had, that when the schools closed and we called every place, it was like I knew what Joseph felt like on Christmas Eve, right? No room in the inn. No room in the inn. I'm just surprised like people told Joseph there was no room because I would call people. No one, they just didn't call me back. So we met at the beer garden for a year and a half. You don't need the trappings to be a church. Listen, am I excited as we look at the District Mission Center and there's a beautiful piece of stained glass and there's gonna be some incredible tech and there's gonna be just this incredibly welcoming entryway that people won't have to like, you know, follow the cheese to get through the maze to get in the front door. You know, it won't be every time an older pastor comes to visit us, I'm told, you know, your church is hard to find. I'm like, let me show you Google Maps. Like, it's this really neat thing, right? Like, there's all these things. I'm very excited for us to be a block off of university that we can put a sign out and be like, near the church this way. And it's like, boom, boom, you're there. That there's not a question of there's 50 doors as I have now walked up to this place. No, it's like one door. This is where you come in. I love it. But listen, tomorrow, if Round Rock, if every building we could use in Round Rock suddenly closed their doors, we'd meet in my house. Would Chelsea be super excited about it? No. (laughs) Mainly because I probably wouldn't have done the dishes in time. But the point of simple church is not to say it has to be like this. You can be a simple church and be in a multi-million dollar facility. You can be a simple church and be in a cafeteria. The point is saying, are we about what God is about? Are we, are we caught up in the things of God and not in the complications that make our lives easier? Jesus says this in Matthew 16. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which always, they just translated it, Simon Peter. Simon Bar-Jonah just means Simon, son of Jonah. Sometimes Bible translators are like, listen, wouldn't it be cool if we just left this one word in there, like in Greek? No. (laughs) I apologize. That was a rabbit trail. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock. So Peter Petros in Greek. Wouldn't that have been beneficial to have the Greek there, guys? But you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I love that. So 1618 right there, I love this. And you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And so often as Jesus does this great play on words, right? That he goes, you are Peter, you are Petros. And on this Petros, I will build my church. Now, what a lot of people thought is, oh yeah, Peter, the first, you know, the first Pope, the first leader of the church. No, Jesus is saying this confession that you just made, That's what the church will be founded on. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is the rock solid foundation of the church. That for us, simple church, that's the foundation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that wasn't revealed to us. That's what makes it even better. It's like that revelation. He goes, listen, you didn't get to that. 
The Holy Spirit did that for you. Matthew 18, 20 is a classic. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Listen, if none of you had showed up today, you'd be getting some calls. But wherever two or three are gathered, that's where the church happens. That's where this goes. Simple church says, listen, everything could have gone wrong this morning. Every plug could have shut down in this room. We didn't have screens. We didn't have amplification. We didn't have live stream. Worse, we didn't have coffee, right? Like everything could have gone wrong. And you know what we would have done? We would have had church. Because church isn't based on our tech. It's not based on our coffee. It's not based on any of that. Those are all incredible blessings. I remember the Sunday we came back um, here to Hopewell. And it was like I had been. So after being, you know, just ghosted for a year, when Hopewell said, yes, you can come back, I was over communicating. And Matt and I rolled up. We're pumped. We're unloading all this gear that we've had with us for the past year and a half. And we walk up to the door locked. I look at my watch. I'm like, well, it's 8.05. We've been out of practice. Someone will come. By 8.20, I'm starting to freak out. And finally, I call the custodian, the head custodian, Refugia here, who has a great relationship with us. She goes, oh, no one told us. And so luckily, one of our custodial guys was so great, and he came up here at a moment's notice, let us in. But Matt and I were already like, all right, where's the most shade? We'll set up, we'll quickly build something so people can access words on their phones. We would have had church out there. We would have, like that's, that's what we would have done. Because wherever two or three are gathered, there I am among them. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in chapter two, verses 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God does not dwell in a building. He dwells in his people. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And finally from Colossians, here in the church, there is neither Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also must you forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's not complicated. Show up, sing songs, read the scriptures, live together as the people of God. So as we talk about simple relational gospel-centered, for us, simple focuses on this 
firm foundation that says Jesus for us. Everything on top of that is a blessing, but we could take it all away, and that's what we have. So as we talk about being a simple church, it's not that it's easier. In fact, in a lot of ways, it can be harder. And not in comparing ourselves to other churches, but instead saying, this is who we are and who we have been called to be. And we live together in a simple way because we believe that's how God has called us to be. That if we try and get overly complicated to make our lives easier, we miss the beauty of a simple life, simple discipleship, and a simple church. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that for us you created a church in this world that simply relies on you. Lord, not just narrative church, but the church as a whole, that the simple and profound fact is that you are the Savior of all. Lord, we rejoice in this. We pray this all in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.